0: Hello to everyone out there, I am here today with Gene Veith to talk about his own personal journey through life. Gene, great to have you here. Good to be here. Um, So Gene Veith is a man that um, some of you will know from his books and um, he's been a professor of literature in um, his academic career. Um, he is a lay Lutheran Christian. Today, though, we want to talk not so much about uh, topics from his books or things of um, theological nature as such, but more about his own personal journey. Who is Jean Viet the man, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking forward to it, Gina. and thanks for your willingness to do this okay. and, and, um, and reflect on your, your, your journey. So perhaps we can start um, back at the start. Just tell us a little bit about the family uh, you grew up in and, um, and I guess interested too in, in what was the religious flavor of your upbringing, if, if any.
1: Yeah, well, I grew up in a little town in Oklahoma in the United States. Um, this was in the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, we were members of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ denomination, which is a mainstream liberal Protestant organization. It's very ecumenical. Um, we were very involved in, in the church uh, there every Sunday. And uh, then as I grew up we, we, we would go to all the youth activities, uh-huh. of the church and then the, the, the bigger ones and the and the rest of the state. Uh, Disciples of Christ made made a big thing about you can believe whatever you want to. Okay. Uh, we have no creeds, no creeds, but the Bible. But you can believe whatever you want to about it. As a result, they didn't really teach me very much. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some different. I I had some good Sunday school teachers, and also I learned some things about the Bible, the mm. Bible stories, and the like. Uh, but. As a church body, it's almost the opposite of Lutheranism. Uh, you believe whatever you want. Uh, later, as you got into the 60s, it very big on the social gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, Christianity is not just a matter of personal salvation. It's about saving the world politically by means of implementing progressive social political I- ideas and that was what i was getting in a lot of especially the, the youth organizations that, that i would go to um but there wasn't really very much uh beyond that now, when i was in high school i uh i'd I to read I, I i this is when uh the Lord of the Rings came out. Mm-hmm. Tolkien's great fantasy, and oh, it, it, it really uh, spoke to me. I really loved it, and and I remembered that uh, one of the blurbs on the paperback edition, um, uh, some critic had said, "You know, here are beauties that, that burn like fire," and I forget exactly what it yeah. was, but yes, that's exactly how I felt about it, and. The person who said it was C.S. Lewis. I'd never heard of it before, and I was in a bookstore sometime after that, and I saw a book by C.S. Lewis, and I remember he was the one that uh, felt the same way about *Lord of the okay. Rings* that wow. I did. Wow. So I took down that book and I opened it up, and it was dedicated to J.R. Tolkien. Huh. Uh, it was a uh, screw tape letters, hmm. and so I-, I read that, and I was astonished. He says is the first person who had. That I came across, We really seemed to take Christianity seriously. We really seemed to believe all that stuff. And, mm. and, and I read some more of his books, Mere Christianity and, and others. I saw that Christianity had content to it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was so blown away by it. Lewis is talking about Christ as God come in the flesh, but, but I remember talking to a youth pastor, then. I was so excited to read this about Christianity, which I'd never heard in my church. And uh, still in the church, in that church, though. Oh yes, yeah. oh yes. Mm. And I went to a, another youth conference, and uh, I was talking to a youth pastor. Said I, I didn't realize that, that that Jesus Christ is God. That God became a human being. He entered human flesh. And you know, I was because I was so excited about it, and he said, "Well, we don't really emphasize that anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and it was so deflating, <laughs> but it also showed me kind of the limits of that yeah, that, wow. that mindset to throw out this amazing uh, uh, things that, to me, it was so exciting. Well, we don't do that anymore, mm. and that's that. Minds have that whole kind of liberal theology that changes according to the right. culture and doesn't offer anything permanent. So, although I was baptized in the in the Disciples of Christ Church as a I think it was ten or so, uh, you know, reading about Christianity from my books, from Lewis and then others that I started reading from him, Chesterton and and others that was really telling me what Christianity was about and I kind of consider the beginnings of my faith there Uh, but I had very little help from the church Uh, in the meantime I went off to university and uh, I still went to a liberal church Uh Uh, I don't know why I didn't see the the problems, and then there were, at that time there were all other, any kind of spirituality was socially acceptable mm. except for uh, for Christianity, mm-hmm. and so there were other things that I was uh, looking at that uh, you know had more cachet there with my friends, uh, and non-Christian forms of spirituality, well, yes, or yes, uh, Zen and Zen mm-hmm. um, meditation was, was was something that I dabbled in and uh, th- th- there were other sorts of things and, and I realized that a person needs a church just my books were not were not enough mm. to, for, for me you know to live the, the, the kind of life that I uh, th- that, that I ought to or even live the Christian life consistently uh, when I was in graduate school I started reading uh, the Bible series so by, by then I had read a lot of theology, uh, but I had never really read the Bible. So I started reading the Bible, and I was blown away by it. It it, it just struck me. I mean, it wasn't just the, you know, oh, isn't that nice. It was the the scary parts of the Bible, Uh you (laughs) know, sort of the Old Testament. Uh And and I now have a a language for what happened. I became a Lutheran much, much later. Uh, It was the law and the gospel. the, that these scary parts of the Old Testament, this is you know, death penalty for, you know, disrespecting your parents, for doing, for, you know, all these things that I was doing all the time, and, and God, I read, I had sort of made God in my image, and here was a God that's not me, mm. and it's very, but, but then that same scripture talked about God, this God's grace, and Promises, forgiveness, and then I read about Jesus and remembering about what I learned, uh, who He was from from C.S. Lewis. It was it, it was overcoming, and at that point, I, I was really a uh, I was in graduate school. So you're in your twenties, or yeah, uh, yeah, twenties. Yeah. Then I, I became, I guess, what you would call a, an evangelical Christian, a conservative Christian, and then I started going, meeting others at the university, getting involved with Christian fellowships and prayer groups and campus ministries, and that was really helpful because I think Chris, mm. a Christian needs other Christians to balance them out and to, to teach them that. Uh, I but I was still going to liberal church. Okay. But it was going through a kind of an evangelical renewal at that time. And that was a good thing to be a part of in our, our local congregation, even though it was a, still a Disciples Church. Hmm. But the big thing started happening in my academic studies. What um, did you go to study at college? Um, uh, English literature. Mm-hmm. And um, in my research... Again, by this time I was very interested in Christianity, and I was interested. My other interest was literature, and so I was looking at Christianity and literature, and seeing lots of, of connections. And uh, for my my dissertation, I found a, a, a writer that was so helpful to me—a a great poet, George Herbert, seventeenth-century Anglican yes. poet, uh, who, at that time, scholars discussed his work in terms of kind of medieval Christianity kind of Catholic meditation practices and all but I saw that he was writing at a time influenced by the Reformation and that whereas in medieval Christian writing you know God was up here and the poem is about somebody trying to climb up to God in Herbert's poetry the person who was down here running away from God, and God breaks in on him. Okay. And a picture of God's grace, God's mm-hmm. initiative. And so my dissertation, I was studying the influence of the Reformation on, George Herbert. Mm-hmm. So that got me into reading Reformation writers. Uh, John Calvin, well, the Anglican preachers, and Martin Luther. And uh, at the same time, I... Uh, became friends with someone who was a real Calvinist who taught me something that I had never thought of before the idea that salvation is is God's doing the focus on God's action God's bringing us to faith and so I I thought that was that was, that was very powerful it was very mm-hmm. helpful to me but but I, at the same time I was seeing some of the issues with Calvinism that that go along with that, the way way they're developed. But of course, Luther also has that sense of God's grace without falling into some of the the difficulties that I was seeing with with Calvin. Anyway, so the key event happened. Uh, I was elected to be a delegate to our Church's national convention. Mm-hmm. Still, Disciples of Christ. Mm-hmm. A couple of things happened that year. One, uh, you remember the People's Temple issue with Jim Jones mm. and the poison Kool Aid. Uh, he, uh, he 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 led this cult that uh, went out into c- uh, Central America and caused all the mass, mass suicide. And I saw on a television coverage of this, a picture of his church in San Francisco. It had the logo of the Disciples Church. I said, oh, and, and so I again did this, and I was told, yes, he is a pastor in the Disciples of Christ, but again, we don't have a way. People can believe whatever they want to in our church. Uh, we don 't approve of what he did, but there's really no way if, and I saw that his theology, which was all about an extreme view of kind of liberation theology this intense psychological uh kind of um, uh, communities that he set up, these were things that were going on in milder ways in the disciples' church as a as a okay. whole and uh and I remember some of the elders in our church going to a seminar and coming back, oh there's this real good social ministry out at San Francisco, this church is doing. And I really thought, that was Jim Jones. Hmm. And then I was elected the delegate and went to the convention, which changed the Constitution to eliminate any mention of God the Father because that would be sexist and I was just sick of it. If I get a job somewhere in academics, because uh, I was about finished with my studies, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave this church. Okay. And uh, and my wife was with. I was married by this time, and uh, Jackie was with me all the way on these things. So I did get a job in a little little um, state college uh, in Oklahoma, and. Uh, looking for a church. There was a little Lutheran church there we attended. We were struck by the, the, the formal kind of worship that we experienced, which is very different for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came back the next time and they started chanting, <laughs> doing the whole liturgy. Turned out the first time was their informal service, (laughs) which for Lutherans is going to be more formal than anybody else. But the liturgy just blew us away. Mm. It was like stepping back into the Middle Ages. It was like stepping back into some sacred space. that It it just really spoke to us. Mm. And I saw that what the pastor was preaching was the same things I was reading about Mm. in in my study of Luther. And... uh, and then the whole sacramental uh, spirituality that was completely new to us, but we kept coming and we joined the pastor's uh, membership class and did the whole just weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of, uh, yeah. <laughs> of study. and. Uh, with, we became Lutherans. Wow. Uh, And so that's that's the long story of how that uh, came about.
0: There you go. And so the disciples of Christ, do they still exist? They
1: do, they they do, but they've been dwindling, dwindling, dwindling. At that time, I just read something on this. They were a pretty large uh, denomination in the Midwest uh, and in Oklahoma. They still exist, but their numbers are declining. Very, very rapidly. Mm, mm -hmm. And the irony is, it's churches who want to be like the times that are declining because there's no reason for anyone to really go to those. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you you mentioned uh, Jackie, so how how did you two meet? Well, we met really at the very beginning of our. uh, university uh, experience. We, we went to the University of Oklahoma, both of us, and uh, right before classes, uh, her dormitory and my dormitory, we, they had an activity where we were cleaning up the duck pond. And so uh, we uh, uh, cleaned up the duck pond together. And, and so we met just <laughs> the, the, the the about three days before the start of, of classes. And uh, so... We went through all that together. We got married at the beginning of our junior year. So we we got married during the university, and so we were... uh, Is that very common? No. I wouldn't think so. We had no
0: money and that sort of thing. Right, (laughs) right,
1: right. But uh, it worked out uh, uh, very well for us. Uh, uh, We found a little, tiny little apartment and uh, I got a part-time job. She got a part-time mm. job, and we uh, we managed quite well and quite happily, mm. Mm. Uh, even though we we weren't uh, uh, being following common sense probably and <laughs> uh, taking that step so early. Yeah, but we're glad we did. And um, and
0: perhaps while we're touching on family things, you had um, perhaps you can tell us about your children, the children you had, and, and then also. Um, I wonder if any reflections on how family life um, your your own family life has shaped your faith
1: yeah well uh like I say we were married our, uh, after our second years of university, so we had two more years uh, then I received a fellowship to go to graduate school at uh, uh, this is at the University of Kansas and uh, right before that the summer before the classes started, we had our first child, our son Paul was born and then I guess Joanna was also born in kansas uh the daughter and, and and part of the motive i think for wanting to change churches was 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 them you know what our children in. to to grow up in a in a in a church body that didn't teach them what they needed. And, and we yeah. wanted a church that focused on, uh, on the scriptures uh, and a focus on the gospel. That was our criteria in looking for churches. And uh, we found the Lutheran Church and that was very satisfying. The, the Lutheran Church had a big emphasis on, on education, uh, their, their, their Sunday school curriculum, had had meat in it uh and it wasn't just sentimental pablum and so wanting to have a a good spiritual basis for our family that was a motivator in, Mm. in looking for a good church and uh again i was teaching in this little college uh this public college in Oklahoma for about six years, and then had the opportunity to go to the Lutheran College, mm-hmm. or Lutheran University, Concordia University uh, in, uh, in Wisconsin, just, at, just outside of Milwaukee. And so uh, the Lutheran Church in, in the United States, uh, we're in the Missouri Synod, there's a, there's a lot with Lutheran schools. So we're able to find a Lutheran school for our kids. And that was a real blessing mm. for them, and for us. And it was very easy to make the family kind of a part of our, obviously a part of our, our faith. And mm. this is before I understood vocation, I guess, uh, much of it. But I can see that that dynamic going on mm. Mm. Uh, as, as we uh, with our young family and as it has got bigger and more. Involved and went. They went through, uh, you know, catechism and uh, confirmation, and and as they learned the catechism, they they didn't make uh, adults learn the catechism uh, (laughs) the way uh, the kids had to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's sort of getting it secondhand, Mm -hmm. but that was very good to to be able to give them a kind of solid, solid church foundation. That that I didn't have. Mm. Uh, I mean, and it wasn't because my uh, my parents. You know, I mean, in a way, I had a church foundation. Yes. I'm thankful for the, the the habits of going to church every Sunday and going to, some, to Bible studies and the like. Uh, it just didn't have the, the the substance I found it with the with with the Lutheran churches, mm. and so uh, that's really been been been. Been a precious thing. And so you had three children. That, yes. No. Uh, then our third uh, child, uh, other daughter, uh, was born in uh, back in Oklahoma, where, where I was at my first position, okay. Northeast Oklahoma A and M. And then uh, later we all moved up to uh, to, to Wisconsin for uh, for much of my career.
0: And so, in your career then, um, just tell us a little bit about what, what took the, the bulk of it, what your focus was, and, yeah. and, and what, what have you enjoyed most in your, your working life?
1: All right. Well, um, in the academic world, you, uh, you know, do, do writing and research, and I, I was glad that my dissertation on George Herbert and the Reformation uh, got accepted for publication. In uh, the meantime, like I said, I was reading the Bible very intensely, and I was finding it saying a lot about things that I was struggling with. And really, these are vocational issues, I guess. Uh, I was interested in poetry and the arts and so on. And I said, well, what does that have to do with my faith? Right now, I'm kind of more interested in my, in my faith and in this other stuff. It doesn't seem as important. Maybe I should be a pastor or mm-hmm, whatever, I'm going mm-hmm. through that same... Uh, process and, but I was saying that the scripture was actually saying quite a lot about the arts and things that I hadn't noticed before uh, or read anyone else talk about so uh, I had met the uh, an editor at University uh, Press at a, at a conference Jim Sire and so I was corresponding with him and told him what I was finding and he encouraged me to to, uh, to write it up and uh, so I did kind of piece by piece and he encouraged me to uh, turn it into a book and, and his publishing company uh, got, uh, accepted it and that uh, so that was my first book uh, called The Gift of Art, The Place of the Arts and Scriptures mm. and that got me writing in sort of for the semi-popular Christian marketplace, as well as my academic work. Uh, That was published too, as I said. Uh, And then it's sometimes hard to break into writing, but once you have, it becomes easier and easier because people ask you to do things. Uh, uh. Uh, So pretty soon I was, uh, I had one, I was noticing, things I was reading the Bible, talking to my kind of academic vocation. I didn't really think of it in, in those terms, I don't believe, but that was what it was. And uh, that led to another uh, book uh, called Loving God with All Your Mind. Um, and then someone asked me to write about, uh, um, they were doing a series on, Christianity in other areas. They wanted one on literature. They knew that was the kind of thing I was doing. So that led to my other book, Reading Between the Lines, A Christian Guide to Literature. Mm -hmm. And so my interest has been for Christianity, Christianity literature, then Christianity in the arts, Christianity in culture, and then that got me into theologies of culture, like vocation and uh, other things. Mm. And then... uh, addressing uh, postmodernism, sort of a, a, the collapse of, kind of contemporary thoughts as it relates to Christianity and how to deal with that. Uh, and so I've read about many different topics, but it all has to do with something about Christianity and the culture, uh, which covers a, a whole lot. Mm. <laughs> and, and so, um, and in doing that, I got invited to do a lot of other, a lot of other opportunities and Meeting people and making connections and uh, things in my in my career, uh, I, I worked for a while. Uh, Chuck Colson started uh, his radio program Breakpoint because of these little of these books. I was asked to be one of the writers for him, mm-hmm. and that led me to doing work doing being the culture editor for World Magazine, which is a Christian. Kind of news magazine. Mm-hmm. He was the cultural editor of that, and that led to this and that, and so it all sort of grew out of those kind of beginnings. Mm-hmm.
0: And you retired now.
1: I am, mm-hmm. yes. And how are you enjoying that? Oh, I'm enjoying it tremendously. <laughs> uh, People told me that. Well, you'll miss, you know, having your colleagues, and you'll miss teaching in the classroom, and. I do miss the classroom with my colleagues, I, but it, I, it really has not been hard. It's been j- joyful. Mm. Uh, now my time is my own. Mm. I'm still doing a lot of writing and speaking and teaching, but I also can come to Australia for six weeks, <laughs> like I've done, like I'm mm. doing right now, mm. uh, and. Uh, It's just a really good time. And people ask, well, you're worried about vocation, all this, but now you're giving up your vocation (laughs) and you're retired. How do you reconcile that? It's really not that way, and vocation isn't that way either. Uh, For one thing, I'm able to spend more time on my other vocations rather than just making a living. Mm. Uh, I, I think I'm able to do more with my family I'm able to do more of my, my church. Um, I uh, lived in Virginia, so I was teaching at Patrick Henry College. Uh, our church was way, way over by Washington, D.C., and it was uh, over an hour drive every Sunday, and it was not really involved with us, I'd like to be. Now we are. We're in a little, little Oklahoma town where we retired to where my son-in-law is the pastor. More uh, involved with the community, uh, in this little little town where we live now, uh, I certainly was with many of the cities and places mm. we lived in before. I was working full time, and uh, it's just been it just been good, mm, very satisfying. Good.
0: Mm. Um, and one of the things I'm always curious to know um, when I um, talk to people about, you know, reflecting back on their life's journey is is what, when they look back, what comes into focus as being most important, what are you most thankful for, and also other things that you would you know, do, do differently if you had your time again. Of yeah. course, we all do, but.
1: Yeah, at, at, the, at the moment when you're in time, you, know, you don't know exactly what's gonna happen. Hmm. And you have the pressure, I decide to do this or that, or what about this, and you don't know where it's gonna go. But when you look back on it years later, you'll see a pattern. You'll see that you were led after all. Uh, there's a there's a story by uh, William James called the the pattern in the carpet that hinges on a uh, a Persian carpet, and when you look c- closely at it. It's all these abstract designs, are very complicated, but you can't, it looks like they're chaotic, but when you stand back, you see the beautiful patterns that they form. And I think life is like that. Mm -hmm. When you're in the middle of it, you don't know what's happening. When you look back, you say, oh, there's a a design after all. Mm -hmm. And I can really see that. I mean, when I look back, yeah, there are a lot of decisions I made that I don't think were were the right ones. And I wish I had done so many things differently. And yet, when I look back, I see that um, you know God has brought me through all of this, and that He was there guiding me, leading me, making, cleaning up after me, <laughs> making even the bad things somehow turn right. Usually, and mm. and there's a pattern and mm. and and a design. And so that's I think I am seeing that more clearly now that I'm retired. Mm. And uh, we're, we're grateful for a lot of those things that uh, I really think took for granted at the mm. time. And
0: you, you mentioned that we're here in Australia. Um, I think, yeah. in fact, you may be my first international guest on Kairos. Oh, I'm not really? sure. <laughs> um, and, and the reason for that is that um, your yeah. one of your daughters married an Australian. and That's right. And actually, and they've both been um, on... Kairos, uh, Joanna, yeah, and yeah. Adam Hensley. So, how, how did that happen? And well, so how did you end up having this that's a good Australian connection? All of these mm.
1: strange things that happen, mm. and you know, they turned into something big. Uh, well, let's see. Um, in the United States, in Wisconsin, uh, I went to a a church was having a program, and the speaker was John Kleinig from Australia, who, who spoke it was a wonderful job. Uh, and, and so I got acquainted with him a little bit, and uh, I think he had read uh, some of my uh, uh, some of my writings. And anyway, I got an invitation to come to Australia to speak at a pastors' conference, um, and then to speak at several congregations in Australia, and then to speak at the uh, seminary for a program there. So this was oh, when, 2002 or sometime, I'm not sure exactly. So uh, my wife and I came over, very excited to come to Australia, and a place we always wanted to go to, and uh, had a great time and going around. And one of the churches that we spoke to between Melbourne and Adelaide was uh, uh, Hamilton, and the uh, uh, associate pastor of that congregation was uh Young man named Adam Hensley, and uh, so he took us around. We got to know him a little bit, and I enjoyed him, and uh, stayed in contact after that. Uh, he taught us about Australian rules football. <laughs> we taught him about American football, and so. Uh, We had to commit to follow the Collingwood Magpies, and he had to follow the Green Bay Packers. One of Adam's faults. (laughs) So, anyway, so after it, so we would actually email each other about the teams Mm. and about how how that was going. And uh, so we kind of kept in touch after we got back to the States. And uh, in the meantime, our our daughter started. Writing him, uh, Jackie, I encouraged her to uh, to write uh, to write to Adam, and so they started, of course, an online correspondence. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, anyway, the rest is history. Yeah, huh. uh, pretty soon he came over, and, uh, uh. and then they got married, and then they came back to serve at Hamilton. And then he came to uh, work on his doctorate at uh, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. And so they they were in the state for a while, and uh, they lived with us for a while while he was uh-huh. writing his dissertation, and then he got a job at Concordia uh, in Irvine, California, and uh, then he got a position teaching at uh, the seminary in Adelaide. So, uh, yeah, Here so we that's are. how that works. Yeah. Here we are, and again, there's so many things that could gone differently. I mean, mm. if we didn't, if we went. He, he, we, we were speaking at Hamilton well, we might have been signed to speak someplace else yeah. uh, Cooper P.D. or somewhere and <laughs> our lives would be completely different and yeah. our grandchildren would cease to exist yes. uh, or if we did not Follow through with the email, mm. uh, and uh, if we did not report the, the scores of the, mm. of the Collingwood football uh, team, <laughs> uh, so all those things could have been very different, yeah. and yet they, they happened, and that uh. Uh, that, that uh, connected us to Australia, and yeah. really. Important ways for us.
0: Yeah, and we find ourselves here, and and your granddaughter just had a, a first communion here at our congregation right, this past Sunday. it's and and so much to be here for that. Yeah, that was a great joy. While we're talking about Australia, any particular reflections on um, on Australian culture for, as an outsider coming in?
1: Uh, well, there, there's so much that I enjoyed about it. Uh, one of the things I really appreciate this concept of, of, of mateship. Uh, In the States, I think we've gone farther down the road of losing a sense of community and human relationships, whereas here, friendships are very important. And I'm so thankful for the, the kind of support, for example, our daughter, Joanna, has. She has so many friends here you know, you and your wife, your family, and but so many others. Mm. And when we're here visiting, we're not just being them, we're <laughs> seeing all these other folks who are delightful. And uh, that's a very, a very precious thing, and not not everybody has it. Interesting. And again, maybe we used to have more of that in the United States, but very few people know their, their neighbors. Very few people have a lot of... Uh, even acquaintances outside of the workplace, or, or their family, or or maybe the church, but still, uh, there's just a much more sense of uh, very strong friendships. I mm-hmm. think it's a lot more important here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the, the uh, I've heard it called uh, mateship, yeah. and, and that's right. a, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's to me that's a, it's a beautiful thing. Mm. Uh, Mm. Mm. Thank you for that. That's that's good to hear. I mean I enjoy so much, you know, there's a lot of kind of quirky things in Australia (laughs) to to people in the world. We just got back from uh, Cooper P.D. going into the outback, a town Mm. where it's so hot that people dig houses underground Mm -hmm. and uh, and the area is completely uh, void of plant life or mm. anything else, for mm. the big wide open spaces, which I like being in Oklahoma and, and mm. a Westerner, uh, you know, the, the dog fence, a fence built across the whole country to keep out the dingoes. The fence is wi- is longer than the United States is wide, right. and it just, I mean, that's Australia, you know, mm. very... Uh, unusual, spaces, very yeah. ingenious, very uh, quirky, mm-hmm. but very, very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. things like that, I, I marvel in and enjoy yeah. every time we come here. Yeah.
0: Well, we're um, glad for your Australian connection, yeah. and, uh, and and we um, many of us in the Lutheran Church of Australia um, have um, appreciated your your books over the years, and and. Um, I know spirituality of the cross, and I, I can name a number of different people for, for whom that was hugely influential in their Christian yeah. journey, including people close to me. And, um, and so it's great to have you here today, Gene, to talk a bit more about your personal journey and yeah. um, thank you very much.
1: Okay, well, I uh, enjoy being with you. God bless you. Thanks.
0: Okay, and now quickly for the bonus lightning round with Gene Veith. Uh, Gene, if you were an animal, what would you be and
1: why? Probably a cat. Okay. Cats are the introverted animals, and uh, I kind of r- relate to that. Curl up on the couch and, <laughs> yeah. Sleep all day. And, uh... Do you have a favourite movie? Uh, Citizen Kane. Classic. Yeah, I like the classics. Favourite band or musician? Uh, that'd be Bob Dylan.
0: Um, and
1: favorite place in the world? Why? Probably uh, Venita, Oklahoma. Little town I grew up in. Nothing much to recommend it to anyone outside, mm. but every time I go, there's so many memories, so much complexity mm. uh, that I just love going there even today because it brings it all back. What was the name again? Vanita. Vanita.
0: Um, if you had to sing karaoke, what song would it be?
1: Uh, like a Rolling Stone. One of the reasons I like Bob Dylan is because I'm not a very good singer, but I can <laughs> sing like Bob Dylan, and that's about it. I didn't tell you about this part, but
0: now you, you actually sing it for the recording. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the
1: worst job you ever had? Uh, growing up, I worked at a Dairy Queen when I was in early years of high school. Uh-huh. It's a little franchise that sells ice cream. Uh, and, and I think of that because I took my grandson in Oklahoma, uh, Michael there, he's about uh, six I think, um, and I was telling him, I took him to the Dairy Queen, bought him some ice cream and said, did you know that I used to work at like this? And he said, why did you get fired? <laughs> For him, this is the greatest job. <laughs> You'd have to be fired. Yeah. Why would you go, professor? But uh, for me, it wasn't. But I mean, that showed me the uh, yeah. the relativity of it all. <laughs> That's
0: right. Character building jobs, we call those. That's ones. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, this is uh, an interesting question for a man, for an author, and a professor of English literature.
1: What's a book that we should all read that we yeah. probably haven't? Okay. Uh, the Temple by George Herbert. George Herbert's probably the greatest Christian poet. And the Temple is a collection of his work. Mm-hmm. And he's so satisfying doctrinally, comes on the Gospel, the Reformation, and he's such a great, 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 great master of language. And yet, almost no one including Christians that mm. talk a lot about Christianity and the arts. Almost no one has read him. Mm-hmm. And to me, that makes no sense at all. So George Herbert, remember that name. Put it on your list, folks. Yeah. Um, best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, I think it would be, don't collect things, collect experiences. Hmm my wife came up with that and so <laughs> instead of spending her money on 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 things we we tend to travel travel someplace. to australia You're right travel to australia <laughs> we have to to lots of memories Flinders Ranges yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and so uh I think that's been really good advice hmm. Hmm. very good
0: last one um if you could talk to the 18 year old Gene veith what would you tell him
1: uh It's all going to work out.
0: (laughs) It's all going to work out. Well, that's a good place to leave it for today. (laughs) Thanks again, Gene. Okay. God bless you. (laughs)